Hello, and welcome to the Pathway Podcast. Our mission is to help you know God, find family, and make a difference. Enjoy today's message. Saying this all the time lately, and it's not just like some cute statement. We really feel it. In fact, a lot of you text me on a Sunday afternoon, and you're like, I don't know what you guys are doing, or but man, God is moving here, and He is like, God is moving here at Pathway AMC Theater number five. Man, it is so good, and He's moving in Kids Path too. Like, He he's ain't just in here, so man, it's so 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 awesome. And uh, man, so glad that you're here. If you're new, welcome to Pathway. We're glad that you're here. My name is Brian. I'm the pastor. And at Pathway, our goal, everything that we do, we are all about this simple, clear, one main thing. And that's this. We want to help you know God. Because we believe when you know God, it changes everything in your life. So maybe you're like, man, I, I do know God. I have a relationship with God. Well, we want to help you take those next steps to know him more. Maybe you're saying, man, I, I don't know God at all. And I'm just kind of curious. I just am interested in, in, and I have questions, but I don't know everything. Man, we want to help you know and, and, and help help you know God because that's gonna, what's going to change your life. So man, thank you for coming. Well, you definitely want to be here next week. And, and I just want to do everybody a favor. All the men Hey, Siri, remind me next month, Sunday, it's Mother's Day. I just did a favor for every guy in the room, and now every Siri's like, yes, I remember. So, uh, hey, Mother's Day's next Sunday. Don't forget that. You definitely want to be here because our worship pastor, Pastor Becca, and Miss Audra Upton are going to be speaking. You definitely want to be here. It's going to be so, so good. So, man, we encourage you to be here for that. Bring your mom, your grandma, your, your you know, future mom. I don't know. Just bring, just bring them. And it's going to be so good. We have something special for the ladies. You guys are going to like that. And, uh, man, today is an exciting day because we're wrapping up a mini-series. A few weeks ago, we did a little mini-series on the Holy Spirit. It was really powerful. You can go back and listen to that, really help you in everyday life. And then last week, we started a series on the Holy Spirit or, or on the end-time events. Lord, we living in the last days. We talked about that a little bit last week. Week. And this week, we're going to dive a lot deeper into that. And here's the thing. A pathway, a little over half of you, this is your first church experience, and I love you. Like, I love, you're my people. Uh, the other half, maybe you've been to a church or a denomination or whatever, and we love you too. But the, the thing is, you have to understand, we are a non-denominational church. And so what that means is, everything that we do, everything that we believe, we get directly from the Bible word for word. So it's not like, well, we believe this because our denomination tells us to, and we respect that, and that's great. Or we believe this because some famous pastor told us to, or some famous theologian. That's all well and good. But what we do is we want to see what does the Bible say about any given subject and just really go from there. And so we want to talk about that subject. And, and even if you don't really believe in God or you're kind of skeptical or you have questions, man, today is a great day because even if you're like, I'm not really sure where I land on the God thing, here's the reality. You know, even atheists, people that don't even believe in God and scientists Everybody on planet Earth agrees on this really one main thing. Planet Earth will not last forever, right? I mean, you don't even have to believe in the Bible to accept that. That the Earth is going to, at some point, somehow, some way, all humanity on Earth is going to cease. And a lot of you a year ago were thinking, this could be it, right? It was the height of COVID, and you're like, this, this could be, you know, everything shut down. We had civil unrest here in America, and, and globally there was all kinds of chaos. We had a crazy election year. I mean, all kinds of crazy things. And, and no doubt some of you in your mind are like, this could be it, man. This is, this, is the, this is the end. And even if you don't believe in God, you know the world is not going to last forever. It's just not. It's a scientific fact. And so I would just say this. Even if you don't believe at all, then just kind of, I think it would be good for you just to at least be aware of what maybe the Bible says of just like, I don't really know that I believe in it, but it's just good information to know because let's be honest, just in case all these Christians in the Bible is right, at least I'm kind of aware of what's going on. And for those of you that are like, man, I do believe this stuff. I just don't know a lot about it. Today is your day. And so here's the thing at Pathway, if, as we said last week, if Jesus was physically here today and we could hand him the mic and say, Jesus, how is the world going to end? Are we living in the last days? What are the last days going to be like? And, and, and whatever Jesus would say, right, you're going to be like, man, that's it. And, and, and the more clear Jesus is, the more picture that he paints, you're going to do that. 
And actually, that's exactly what happened in the Bible. The Bible has New and Old Testament. And in the New Testament, the first four books are, are the biographical account of the life of Jesus. You might hear Christians call that the gospel. But the first book is called Matthew. It's called Matthew because he's the guy that wrote it. And Matthew was a hand-picked eyewitness follower of Jesus. So Matthew writes down a lot of what Jesus said and did. So Matthew, um, just a few weeks ago, we celebrated Easter, the day Jesus rose from the dead. And a few days before that, we celebrated Good Friday, the day Jesus died on the cross. And, and then about Monday or Tuesday of that same week, before Jesus is going to die, this conversation takes place. And check this out in the New Testament in Matthew chapter 24, verse 3 to 14. This is what it says. Later, Jesus said on the Mount of Olives, his disciples came to him privately and said, tell us when all this will happen. What sign will signal your return and the end of the world? Jesus told them, don't let anyone mislead you, for many will come in my name, claiming I am the Messiah. They will deceive many, and you will hear wars and threats of wars, but don't panic. Yes, these things must take place, but the end won't follow immediately. Nation will go to war against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in many parts of the world, but this is only the first of the birth pains with more to come. Then you will be arrested, persecuted, and killed. You will be hated all over the world because you are my followers. And many will turn away from me and betray and hate each other, and many false prophets will appear and will deceive many people. Sin will be rampant everywhere, and the love of many will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end will be saved, and the good news about the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole world so that all nations will hear it. Then the end will come. So last week we, we talked about when you talk about are we living in the last days or end time events, there's really about four main kind of sections we want to look at. And the first one is just to answer that question, are we living in the last days? And the answer is yes. Like that's the first thing. Yes, we are living in the last days. In fact, Jesus tells us that. So you have to understand this. We said this last week that from the moment Jesus rose from the dead 2,000 years ago on Easter Sunday that we just celebrated, from that moment until the moment Jesus returns, all of that time in between, according to God, is the last days. So there's some, there's some things that they think out there that, well, if this happens, then we're in the last days. We're not in the last days until this or this takes place. No, that's not true. We are living in the last days right now today. So, and you might be thinking, oh, my goodness. But listen, the reality is people have a very short memory because if we were to go back uh, several decades ago and ask people in the 1930s and 40s, do you think we're living at the end of the world in the last days? And undoubtedly, Christians and non-Christians would say, oh, my goodness, yes. We have Hitler, and he's kind of like the Antichrist, and he's, and he's wars and rumors of wars and all this horrible stuff. And, and, and yeah, it's a world war. I mean, this is the second one. We've had. Yeah, we're living in the last days. If you were to go back to, to 1918 to 1920 during the Spanish flu, if you think coronavirus is bad, it has nothing on the Spanish flu. I mean, the Spanish flu is horrific. And if you would ask people there, and, and it was on the heels of World War I, it was a bloodbath, World War I. The Russian Revolution took place as well. So all these global events are taking place. There was famine and wars and, and disease and horrible, horrible things. Ask people there, are we living in the last days? Yes, we are. Ask Americans in, in the 1860s in the Civil War, are we living in the last days? Yes. The reality is from the moment Jesus rose from the dead, notice what he said. This is not our opinion. Word for word what Jesus said. From the day I come raised from the dead to the day I return, there's going to be wars and rumors of wars. There's, there's going to be famine and earthquake, all kinds of natural disasters. But that is just the beginning, Jesus said, not the end. So we are living in the last days. Here's the reality. If Jesus waits to return another hundred years, another thousand years, we will still be just as much in the last days then as we are today. Like, and, and, and let me just say this. We said this last week, and this really needs to be said again, that uh, Jesus says this, don't panic. Notice what he said in verse 6. See to it that you are not alarmed. All this is going to happen. All this is going to take place, but don't panic. 
So listen, Jesus is saying this, all this is going to happen, but don't panic. Why would he say that? Well, listen, if you're a follower of Jesus and you have people in your life that are not followers of Jesus, and every time some global event or some kind of catastrophe in the U.S. happens, and, and every time that happens, you're panicked. and Oh, it's a sign of the end of that. We're living in the last days. You better get ready. And you're just kind of a, a nervous wreck, and you're panicking all the time about, uh, did you see this in the news? Did you see that? I mean, it's the last days. Then your friend that's not a Christian is going to say, why in the world do I want to believe in your God? Because apparently all your God does is stoke chaos and fear in your life. I don't want to serve a God like that myself. No, I want to serve a God that says the world could literally be falling apart around me. And yeah, that breaks my heart. But on the inside, I have peace. On the inside, I know how the story ends. On the inside, I know what Jesus said. And so here's the thing. I am prepared. That's the thing. And listen, as we said last week, I know so many followers of Jesus, and we can be our own worst enemy a lot of the times. And this is a great example. We go around like, oh, I tell you, if this certain president gets elected, that's going to be the, if this pope gets elected, if, it, if this happens with Russia or China, and I'm not saying we shouldn't pay attention to those things. No, we absolutely should. But listen, Jesus makes it quite clear. Stop looking for the signs of the end of the time and start looking at the signs of the hurting people right in front of you that need Jesus. Jesus today. That's the main focus. That's the main thing Jesus wants for you and for me. Like, I'm not saying we shouldn't pay attention to that, but don't let that consume you. There's so many Christians looking for the signs of the end of the, the four blood moons, and then when this happens, and, that, and then the next year. Listen, like, don't pay attention to any of that. Instead, Jesus is putting signs right in front of your face every day of people that are hurting, that are broken, that are desperate, that need the message and the goodness of Jesus. Pay attention to that sign. Rescue that person and tell them about Jesus. Jesus. That's the sign you need to pay attention to. Here's the thing. Are we living in the last days? Yes. Here's the next thing that leads to that. Jesus is returning. And notice what Jesus says here in Matthew 24, verse 31. This is the words of Jesus. He says, um, however, no one knows the day, or, or he says, and he will send out his angels with the mighty blast of a trumpet, and they will gather his chosen ones from all over the world, from the farthest ends of the earth and heaven. However, no one knows the day or hour when these things will happen. Not even the angels in heaven or the Son himself. Only the Father knows. Here's some things you need to know about the return of Jesus. Yes, it is going to happen. It's a fact. It will take place. Everything that Jesus talked about that's written down in the Bible has happened. It, it actually happened. Even atheists, even people that don't believe in Jesus, acknowledge he was a real historical person. There's data, there's records of that. Even non-Christians write down that Jesus of Nazareth was a real person that did miracles and he was executed by the Roman government when he was 33 years old and now we can't find the body. We can't explain that, but we can't find the body. Well, Christians know he rose from the dead. So listen, if Jesus was right about all of that, he's right about his return. And some people might say, well, yeah, but he said that then, and it's been 2,000 years since then. Listen, it was thousands of years that there was promise. When you read the Old Testament of the Bible, they promised the birth of Jesus for thousands of years, and then it happens. Listen, God isn't on your, your watch or schedule, and he's not on mine. God will return when he wants to. In fact, that's the thing. All of your panic and all of your worry and stress about the end of the times and what about this, you're not going to speed up the return of Jesus at all, and you're not going to delay it at all. It's going to happen with or without you, whether you're, whether you're like, oh, it's coming or not. It's going to happen. Here's the things you need to know about the return of Jesus. Yes, it's going to happen. Notice what Jesus said word for word. Listen, not some denomination, some famous pastor, what Jesus said. He made it as clear as it can be possibly be. He says that you're going to hear the first thing, a loud trumpet blast. Every ear on planet earth is going to hear that trumpet blast. Every single ear at the same time will hear that trumpet. And then Jesus will physically return in the sky, and every eyeball on planet earth will be able to see him all at the same time. It'll be a miracle. He's done miracles before. He can do it again. So he's gonna, you're going to hear a trumpet blast. You're going to look up. You're going to see Jesus in the sky. And then immediately he's going to send his angels, and all the followers of Jesus in the past, present, all of them are going to gather together and meet him in the sky. And he's going to take us to be with him forever and ever and ever. Like, that's what is going to happen. You're going to hear a trumpet. You're going to see Jesus. And if you're a follower of Jesus, next thing you know, you're going to be in the middle of the air with him face to face. 
The return of Jesus is going to happen. And here's the other thing. Notice what Jesus said at the end of what we read. That Jesus tells his disciples, hey, look, before you even ask me, guys, nobody knows when. The, I don't even know. Only God knows. In fact, that's one of the last questions the disciples asked Jesus in the, another New Testament book called Acts, the actions of the disciples. This is kind of like after Jesus goes to heaven. Like that's the last question they ask him. Okay, now are you going to return and, and set up your kingdom here on earth? And Jesus said, it's not for you to know. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Not for you to know. Instead, Jesus says, receive the power of the Holy Spirit. We talked about it a few weeks ago. And tell everybody about the hope and the freedom and forgiveness that's found in Jesus. So listen, no one knows. So you get some of these bozos on TV that claim to be Christians that are like, well, Jesus is going to return when this and this happens. Listen, they're liars. You call them out. You run away from them. I don't care how big their church is. I don't care what they did in the past. They are a liar. They're just honestly trying to make money and be famous. That's, they're not really trying to tell you the truth of Jesus because Jesus said himself, nobody knows. If Jesus doesn't know, some bozo Christian on TV doesn't know either. Like that, it might be harsh. It's just true. Stay away from that junk for your own sanity, and they don't need your money. Trust me, they probably got plenty of it. Jesus says nobody knows. It's important to understand. Now, here's the third kind of main thing that we want to look at, and that is the tribulation. So it's a big, a big thing that's going to take place. And what we want to do, Jesus talks about this very clearly as well. And we're going to look at a little bit of what Jesus said. He expounds. We don't have time to look at everything because we would be here till about 3 or 4 o'clock today. And, and I would love that, but you probably wouldn't because you want to go get some fuzzies. And I get that. I support you getting fuzzies. But just, just for time's sake, I'm just going to hit some highlights of some things. Also, what, what happens is Jesus gives us a snippet of everything. He expands a little bit. And then when you get to the very last book of the New Testament, it's called Revelation. And in Revelation chapter 4 through 20, everything that we're about to talk about gives it in much greater detail. Like much, much more HD kind of detail. And so you can read that on your own. And if you want to start a small group about that stuff, let us know. You know, I'll be there. But it would be like an eight-week kind of a deal just to figure out some of that stuff. And listen, anybody, by the way, that says they understand all that is a liar as well. Like, like I, there's nobody that understands it all clearly. They maybe understand parts. But sometimes we just have to let things be as they are. But it's important to know. But this is what Jesus says that, yes, this is the end of the world. And in Matthew chapter 24, verse 29, this is what Jesus tells us. Matthew 24, 29. Immediately after the anguish of those days, the sun will be darkened, the moon will give no light, the stars will fall from the sky, and the powers in the heavens will be shaken. So here's the thing that you have to understand about that. If we're going to expand a little bit, and again, just to revelation gives a little more detail. A couple of things that are going to happen that you need to know about this thing of the tribulation, the end of the world. The tribulation, we know from the Bible in Revelation 4 through 20, is a seven-year period. So it's going to take place for seven years. During that seven years, it's going to be bad. <laughs> like you just hope you're not here. It's going to be bad, 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 bad. These are just some of the highlights. Don't have time to get all of them that Revelation tells us and, and that Jesus kind of uh, gives a little bit of example of. There's going to be seven different angels. Each angel is going to blow a trumpet. Each trumpet, there's going to be these different scrolls or writings that are going to be unveiled. There, there's going to be seven different bowls of wrath that are going to be poured out. There's going to be seven different horrific plagues that are going to face the earth. Part of that, as a result of these seven seals and seven bowls and seven angels and all this horrible stuff during the seven-year period, what's going to happen, the Bible tells us and Jesus tells us as well, that what's, what's going to take place is the sun will burn out. You will have, a, we walk outside today, it's a cloudy day, it'll be pitch black. It'll be as if it's midnight with no moon. Pitch black because the sun will be completely gone. Jesus tells us that. The moon itself won't give light, it'll be blood red. In fact, then the stars in the sky are going to fall to planet Earth. Revelation 4 through 20 tells us that. And as these stars are falling and meteors and asteroids and comets are falling and hitting planet Earth at an alarming rate, what's, what the result of that is, just kind of scientifically, and Revelation tells us this as well, one-third of all the vegetation on Earth will be burned up. One-third of all the, all the plants, all the grass, all the trees will be burned up. Also, these meteors and asteroids, stars from the sky are going to fall and hit in land and water. 
as they're landing in the water, they're going to turn because they're from outer space. They're going to turn the water bitter and poison. As a result, it says one-third of all the water on planet Earth will turn bitter and it will turn to blood. As a result of that. So think about this just, just kind of logically here. Even if you don't believe in it, just think about this logically. If, if comet, a meteor, and asteroid after asteroid hits the earth and it burns up a third of everything, then also that means all the animals, all the people, one out of every three people on earth will die. There's not enough food to go around. There's not enough water to go around. One in out of every three people. I mean, imagine that. Think about it. this in this theater. And I hope none of you are here. I hope we're all in, in heaven together. But one out of every three people in this room would be dead. It says, as a result of a third of all the vegetation being burned up, scorched earth, a third of all the water being bitter and turning to blood, a third of all living things, animals and humans, in the water, in the sky, on land, will be dead and will die. It's horrific. Well, as a result of that, that's going to pave the way for someone that's going to come along and be a global savior. And this person is going to come along and say, I can fix our world. Not just a country. I can fix the world. Because think about that. The economy is going to be in shambles. I mean, what happened this last year is not The Great Depression is nothing compared to what's going to happen. Not just in America. The Great Crash of 08. Nothing compared to what's going to happen across the planet during this time. I mean, it's to an extent, it doesn't matter how much money or gold you have because that won't be worth anything. Instead, it'll be, man, I got a can of gas. I'll trade you that for some corn. Like, it'll be back in the Stone Age days. It's going to give way to someone because humanity, people are going to be starving for leadership and someone to stand up and say, I can lead us out of this. And someone is, they're going to stand up and say, I can fix it. And they will fix it. They're going to fix it, and, man, they're going to turn everything around in the first several years. This person is going to be like a Messiah kind of a figure. I mean, they're going to be like a Savior because, oh, my goodness, before you came, we were dying and starving, and you fixed everything, and you helped us, and you restored us. And Man, thank you, this person, and they're going to hail them as a global leader. They're going to come creating peace between the entire world. This one person will make peace, and in the beginning, it's going to look like, man, where's this person been? This is great, but in the end... The New Testament tells us in Revelation that they're really called the Antichrist, which means they're going to come as a Christ-like figure, a Messiah-like figure. I can save it. I can do miracles. I can heal. I can do all these great. I can fix. I can heal the economy. I can fix what's wrong with this nation. But then towards the end, they're going to say, one of the ways I'm going to fix it, because you've given me all this power, and it's happened in history before. Just look in the 1930s in Germany and other countries. It's one of the ways it's going to happen is, one world government. So listen, I'm the Savior. I'm going to call the shots now. One world government. As a result of that, it says, again, all this is kind of lining up. In order for you to survive, everyone, we need to make sure that you're on the winning team. And so, uh, you know what, because currency really doesn't matter. I tell you what, let's just simplify it. And not even cryptocurrency, right? Let's just, let's just make everybody get a number. And then that way we know, like, you're in. You're on the good side. And, and so everybody gets this number, let's say, and we're just going to make that number be 666, called the mark of the beast. Now, some, some Christians out there are like, well, I think it's a microchip. Well, I think it's the, it's the vaccine. No, it's not, okay? That's just too easy. That's just a, that's a cop-out. No, when Revelation says it's a physical mark on your forehead and on, the, on your right hand, it means that. It's literal. You're going to get a tattoo of 666 on your hand and on your forehead. And you think, oh, my God, how could that ever happen? It's happened before. Humans can be very gullible at times. That's people on the right side of the aisle and the left side of the aisle. They can be very gullible. It's going to happen. Well, man, I, if I don't get this, the Bible says you won't be able to eat. You won't be able to buy things. You won't be able to buy gas. You won't be able to pay your electric bill. You won't be able to buy food. You won't be able to survive. As a result of that, one of the next major things that's going to happen is called the Battle of Armageddon. Revelation tells us this. And you can go to this battle scene today. It's in the Valley of Megiddo in Israel. I've been there. And today it's beautiful. I mean, it's a beautiful place. It's, there's hills around it. It's lush green grass. There's no towns or city. I mean, it's just a beautiful open space. But Revelation tells us that 200 million armed troops from around the world are going to gather for the Battle of Armageddon. And by the way, not the movie. That's the worst movie ever. I love Bruce Willis. The movie Armageddon, please don't even, like, just come on. But this is a real thing that's going to happen. And 200 million soldiers are going to come, and they're going to march on the nation of Israel to wipe it off the map. 
it's going to be World War III if we don't have a World War III before then. It would literally seriously be the world, the, the war to end all wars. They said that in World War I and II. No, no, no. In fact, those, every war combined is nothing compared to You realize 200 million troops is more than all the troops in the U.S. right now and China right now? I mean, think about that. The entire world is going to fight against each other. As a result of that, there's, there's going to be this horrific thing that takes place after that where that during this battle, Jesus will come and, and, and kind of call a timeout on the battle. And, and then Jesus will come and the Bible says, live on the earth, reign as a king on planet earth for a thousand years. It's called the millennial reign. So listen, if you're reading Revelation and you read about that, that's what that is. Jesus will physically come and physically live in Jerusalem as the king of the kings for planet Earth for a thousand years. It's going to happen. And it says some people won't believe Jesus at that time. And I had somebody last week ask me that. Uh, they said, Do you, is that really going to happen? Well, I mean, Revelation says it's going to happen and I believe it. I don't have all the details, but I just believe what it says. So people are still, even when Jesus is physically here as king, after all that, they still won't believe in him? Some people, yeah. And I said, think about this. Jesus came 2,000 years ago, walked the earth, healed people, preached the message of Jesus, and he was still killed by the Roman government. And even after he rose from the dead, people still didn't believe him. So listen, if it happened once, it's going to happen again. At the end of this millennial reign of Jesus for a thousand years, it really is the end of the world at that point because then it says final judgment. Final judgment is actually a really good thing because here's what's going to happen. It's really important. When people, Christians and non-Christians, hear the word judgment, they get scared and nervous and, oh, my goodness. No, no, no. I want you to think about it like this. Why would God need to be a final judgment because of this? All the injustice that you've ever faced, all the horrible things that have ever been done to you, and even when you read the news and you see these horrible things. As I said last week, uh, the previous week, I heard the Attorney General of the United States, the highest-ranking you know, lawyer, government official for us, said this, that even in America, sometimes the justice system we're known for our justice system in America, right? We're known land of the free and equal opportunity, all this stuff. And yet, even he said, highest ranking justice person, we fail. What hope is there in your government then? I'm not asking for anarchy, but what hope is there? A nation known for justice can't even deliver on that promise? You need someone greater than the American government. You need someone greater than religion, someone greater than the Russian government, someone greater than science and, and medicine. You need someone to come and any injustice, set it all right and repay all the evil ever done to you, all the evil that you read about on the news to other people and in other parts of the world. And you think, man, that's horrible that there are kids in other countries dying daily of starvation. Someone should do something. And America sends millions of dollars and yet these kids still starve. Somebody should do something. Jesus returns, he will. He will. He'll make it all right. The people that are stealing that money that goes to those kids, they'll pay. They will pay. The person that did that thing to you when you were a boy or a girl, that you just, it's tough to forgive. Jesus will pay them back. They'll be repaid. God says that justice and vengeance are mine. So listen, all the horrible things that have ever been done to you, they said this to me, they did this to me, he'll make it right at final judgment. As we sang earlier, I have a hope for a future that's part of it. I know that you're going to hurt me today, but I know at the end he's going to make it right. The thing about final judgment, every human being, believers and non-believers, are going to stand before God face to face for kind of like a court appearance, if you will. And God is, I think, going to ask a couple questions, but the number one question that, that we know out of his mouth is going to be this, did you believe in my only son, Jesus? The number one and only question. Of all the questions you need in your life, that's the most important. You see, every other question in your life can't change your life. It could help or it could hurt, but it can't change your life. The answer to that question can literally change your life today. 
Not, well, and final judgment when I die. No, 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 today. If your court appearance was right now, how would you answer that question? If God is looking at you saying, do you believe in my only son, Jesus, that physically walked the earth, that physically died and physically rose again, your answer to that can change your life. And depending on how you answer that leads us to really the fourth and kind of the biggest thing of all, which is eternity. Eternity. Here's the thing. Jesus talks a lot about this, and this is what he says in Matthew chapter 24, verse 30, uh, 32, uh, 31. He says, uh, he'll send his angels with a trumpet, and they'll gather from all over the, the world, from the farthest ends of heaven and earth. And, and look at verse chapter 24, verse 32. He says, uh, now learn the lesson from the fig tree. When its branches bud and its leaves begin to sprout, you know that summer is near. And then verse 41, two women will be grinding flour at the mill. One will be taken, the other left. Verse 46, if the master returns and finds that the servant has done a good job, there will be a reward. So he says this. He gives a lot of uh, understanding about eternity. And he says this in Matthew 25, that at the end, he's going to gather people and he's going to sort people into kind of like a shepherd would short, short sheep. And, and he would say either you follow me or you didn't. And in eternity, Revelation gives a lot more detail about that. But basically, I think this is really neat. When you read the first two chapters of the Bible, in the very first book called Genesis, it's how God created the world and everything. And then you read the last two chapters of the Bible, how it all ends. Like those are four really important chapters. Here's the thing. And, I, and I've read Revelation a, a lot in my life. I've read Genesis a lot. I never made this connection until I was studying for this this past few weeks. And it really blew my mind. It's really cool. Think about this, that in Genesis we see God creates the sun to give light and life on earth. But in Revelation, the sun goes out, never to be lit again. And in its place, it says God will be the light for all the cosmos and all the universe. We won't need the sun anymore because we will be with God, whose brightness is brighter than the sun. In, in Genesis 1 and 2, it says that, that God created people, but people disobeyed God called sin. Anytime we disobey God, that's sin. And as a result of that, we were separated from God. The only way you can ever be connected back to God is through Jesus. So in Genesis 1 and 2, God creates people in this beautiful paradise, but we ruin it because of sin and we're separated from God. But then in Revelation... It says that God will do away with sin once and for all, never to come back. And instead of being separated from God, we will be united with him forever and ever and ever. Instead of being on this, on this messed up place called earth, we're going to be in a place of perfection called heaven with him. It says in Genesis 1 and 2, that in chapter 3, that when Adam and Eve sinned, they disobeyed God. Death was part of the consequence of disobeying God. Think about this. When God created people, he didn't intend for us to die. That was not part of his plan. But there has to be a consequence for disobeying him. Not only is it being separated from him because he is holy and perfect, but the other consequence is death. It says in Revelation that death will be extinguished forever and ever and ever. It's amazing to me how the Bible begins and how it ends. It begins in this beautiful place, but it's messed up because of people, and it ends with this messed up place, but God makes it beautiful again in heaven. Here's the thing, as we said, your answer to that question is so important. When God asks you that, what, what do you believe about my son? There's only two destinations. You were created to live forever. You will live forever. Death is just a step into the next realm, and you're going to live forever with God in heaven or without him in a place called hell. Here's the, what you need to know about hell. Hell was never created for people. In fact, the Bible makes that very clear. God did not create hell to send people there. Hell was created for Satan and all the demons. That's what it was created for. In addition to that, there's probably mo the most misconception about Christianity out there, and that is that God sends people to hell. No, he doesn't. 
fact, the Bible in the New Testament tells us this very clearly in a, in a letter to some Christians that live in Rome that a guy Paul wrote called Romans. And in Romans chapter 1, verse 28, that's what he says word for word. He says, look, God is abandoning them to their own selfish desires really for all of eternity. God does not send people to hell. What God does, I believe in his, in his love and, and mercy and grace, he gives you what you wanted. As I've said before, if you don't need God on planet earth now, why would you need him in eternity? You see, what's going to happen is when, when you're facing God, he said, what do you believe? Well, God, I, I, I didn't. I just didn't need him on earth. Well, then you don't need him now. And it'll be too late. And not only that, when, when he says, what are you going to do? And, and I don't need him. Then God's going to say, you wanted independence from me. You wanted to live a life free of me and my love and my blessing and my grace. That's what I'm going to give you for all of eternity. You see, why would God, if you don't want him now and don't want his love and his mercy today, why would he force you to have that for all of eternity? I mean, that's very illogical. No, God's not going to say, well, I know you hated me on earth, but I'm going to force you into heaven because, doggone it, I just love you. No. God's going to say, if you didn't need me on earth, I'm going to give you that for all of eternity. Total independence from me in a place called hell. You're going to suffer, if you don't believe in Jesus, the same consequence, the same eternal consequence that Satan is going to face. Everything I'm about to tell you is word for word things that Jesus tells us about hell and things that Revelation tells us about hell. Versus hell was created for Satan and the demons. Another one is the most thing that hell is often referred to is a place of eternal fire, a lake of fire. I want you to, to think about that. Imagine a lake that is burning, not just on the surface, but all the way down. Maybe the closest thing you could imagine is a pool of lava that's just kind of on fire. It's so hot that it doesn't even give flames off. And just down as deep as the earth can go, there's just this magma, this, this, this heat. It's so intense. It says that that's what hell is like. Eternal fire in a lake. The other thing that it says, it's a bottomless pit. So I want you to imagine this. And it says that hell is pitch black. You're going to be tormented all the time without relenting by Satan and the demons. You won't be able to see anything or anyone because it's pitch black. There's no light whatsoever. And all eternity, there's no daytime, there's no nighttime. It's not like in a while I'll get used to the pain. In a while, you know, it'll be over. No, 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 no. There is no end. Hell is a real, literal, physical place. Just as I am real and literal, physical in front of you today, so is hell. That you're falling in this lake of fire with, it's a bottomless pit. There's no end. You don't hit the bottom. It's pitch black. You're on fire. You cannot see anything, but you can hear. And what you hear are the screams of people of the torture, begging for the pain to be over, begging for this to be done, but it won't. The screams of the demons and say torturing people, you'll never be able to see it because you're falling, burning up in a lake surrounded by fire the whole time. So I just, this is my personal thing. It, it does bother me when people are like, when they even, I hear sometimes Christians kind of use the word hell loosely, like, man, I just, I just tell them to go to hell. Man, what the hell do you want? And I just, maybe it's me, maybe I'm old school, I just think, that's a real place that you're talking about there. And like, people think, oh, it's going to be a party, I'll see you in hell. No, you won't. You literally won't see anyone in hell. That's hell. It's going to be forever and ever and ever. The worst part about hell, though, isn't how dark it is. It isn't the fire. The worst part about hell is being separated from God forever and ever and ever with no hope. You see, today in this room, you can even acknowledge, I don't believe in God. I'm not into all that stuff, and that's fine. But you still experience God's love. You still experience his hope in your life because God gave you that light. And so every breath that you breathe is a blessing from God. The sunshine that you enjoy is a blessing from God. Even if you don't acknowledge God at all, that you still enjoy his grace and his mercy here on earth. But in hell, that will be ripped from you. That's the worst part about hell. No hope. 
Well, good grief. I don't want to end the day on that. That's just horrible, right? I want to end it by telling you about my home, where I really belong. And that's a place called heaven. And in heaven, if hell is real, heaven is just as real. In heaven, these are some of the physical things that Revelation tells us, Jesus tells us about heaven. That heaven is a place and a city. So think of it like New York, New York, right? It, it's, it's a city and it's a state. Heaven is a place, but it's also a city as well. Revelation tells us that the city of heaven has 12 foundation stones that are all precious jewels, jasper and diamonds, beautiful jewels, 12 foundation stones of this city. It tells us that the city, get this, is the, the walls of the city are 216 feet thick. Massive walls. It tells us as well that the city of heaven is 1,400 miles diameter. 1,400 miles up, down, east, west, all the way around a perfect square. 1,400 miles is this city. Again, there's also the part, there's also the place, but the city. So the city, there's on each side, there's four sides, on each side, there are three gates that never close. And there's angels that guard every gate. And each gate is made out of one single pearl. Think about a pearl that is so large, they make a gate, not a door, a gate out of it. There's 12 of them on each side. In fact, it says that gold is so common in heaven that they use it to pave the streets with. And think about it. It's so common. They just pave the roads with this stuff. And all that's great and all that's cool. And I think all that's, that's wow, that's going to be awesome. The other really great thing about heaven, my home where I really belong, is Revelation tells us, Jesus tells us as well that in heaven, sin will be banished forever. So listen, you can try to live your life for God and be a, a good person, but you still may stumble and, and fall into temptation. Not in heaven, you won't. Death, it's gone. The people that you love, you won't leave them behind. Death is gone. And in heaven, the, the pain that you feel in your body the sickness maybe that you experienced. Maybe you had COVID. Maybe you're just old. You, you just have pain. In heaven, it's gone forever and ever and ever. In heaven, there's no, there's no sorrow. There's no nighttime because the brightness of God will light up the city. There's no shadows in heaven. There's no sadness or sorrow. It's a place of eternal joy and peace and bliss. Your happiest moment on earth can't even compare to a fraction of what you'll experience in heaven for eternity. The thing about earth is we have moments, don't we? I feel good in this moment. I felt something in this moment. But then that moment leaves. And then other moments come. I feel sorrow in this moment. I feel pain in this moment. But in heaven, there are no moments. It's eternity. Forever and ever and ever. There's no pain. There's no sorrow. The greatest thing of all isn't that the streets are made of gold and there's mansions and all that. It's not that the gates are made of pearls, and that's wonderful. But the greatest part about heaven is you get to be with Jesus The greatest part about heaven, and I used to, when I was a kid, think that I get to heaven, I'm going to see all my dead loved ones that, that believe in Jesus, and they're there now, and I get to go see them. And now, as an adult, I grew a little bit, I matured a little bit, and I just kind of picture in my mind, I don't know if it's going to be a but picture in my mind when I get to heaven, my dead loved ones may be there, and I'm like, I'll get to you in a minute. i got to go see Jesus right now. I'll talk to you for eternity. I want to go see Jesus. 
I want to see the one that in my darkest moment on earth, he was there to encourage me and love me. I want to see the one that he's the reason I'm here. I want to touch the nails where, his, where, his, where he was scarred for my sin. I want to see Jesus. And I just picture myself running as hard as I can to meet him. And as Becca said earlier, we didn't coordinate that, but as she said earlier, I think Jesus is going to be doing the same thing. I think he's going to be making a beeline right for me. We're going to tackle each other and embrace. And I know the Bible does say in Revelation, no tears of, of sorrow. I can't tell you I won't be crying tears of joy. I don't know about you. This happens to me fairly often, not all the time, but I just get homesick. Not of my house, and I love my wife and my kids more than anything. But every now and then, I get homesick for heaven. So well, you've never been there. Well, this is what I believe. When I pray, man, there's just certain times where I feel like I'm in God's presence. That's heaven. So I have been there a little bit. When we had this amazing time of, of worship earlier, singing these songs about God's love and celebrating his goodness, man, I just, I felt something powerful. It was God, but it's heaven. So there's part of me that thinks, man, there's, there's some of me that's been there before a little bit. And Philippians in the New Testament tells us that we are ambassadors of earth, but really citizens of heaven. This earth is not your home. Where I live is not my home. It's just temporary. My real home is with my Father in heaven. And I can't wait to go there. When I think about heaven and when I think about the Lord, I think about what he's done for me, how he's changed me, rescued me, forgive me of my sins, healed me, how he's provided at times when there was no other way, when he gave me hope when there was no hope, when he was a friend that there was no friend, when he loved me when nobody else would love me, when he loved me when I didn't even believe in myself, he believed in me. When I think about heaven, I think about home, and I can't wait to go there. I love my life on earth. I think I've got the best life of anybody. I just feel like sometimes I don't belong. My real home is with my Father forever. That's heaven. And it's a real place. And I'm going to be there. I believe you will as well. But really that leads us to this final thing, which is the, what all this whole thing builds up to. And that's this, that understand this world is not it. So stop acting like it. Stop acting as if all the money that you have is the be-all and end-all because it's not. Stop acting as if whoever gets elected president is the be-all and end-all and whatever political party. Those things are very important. But this isn't it. Stop acting as if the failure that you experienced is it because it's not. Stop acting as if the hurt and the pain that you experience is it because it's not. This world is not your home, so don't act like it. Instead, be prepared and prepare other people. If you really believed that Jesus was going to return today at 1 o'clock or tomorrow at 10 o'clock, I guarantee you, as me as well, we would do some things different, right? Knowing he is going to return, or even knowing that you're going to die, knowing that I'm going to die, knowing that I'm going to face eternity, there, knowing that I'm even going to go to heaven, there's still some things that I would do different. I'd probably talk to my spouse a little differently. I'd probably talk to my kid. I'd hug them a little tighter. I'd kiss them a little more. Like, I would just do some things differently. I'd be shouting to people, tell them about heaven, and tell them about God's love for them. The reality is, that can happen. Think about this. You are guaranteed a paycheck at the end of this week. Even if you don't have a job and, 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 and you're looking for a job and, and the government's helping you out, and I think all that's great, that you're still guaranteed some sort of financial income. Guaranteed that. You're guaranteed the sun will come up tomorrow. The sun will set tonight. You're guaranteed that. But you know what you're not guaranteed? That you will even live to Friday to get your paycheck. I'm not trying to be a downer, I'm not trying to be morbid, but it's true. You are guaranteed so many things that you can control, but you're not guaranteed the one most important thing that you can never control. That is when Jesus returns 
or you meet him. You're only leaving earth one of two ways, either in the ground when you die or when you hear that trumpet and you see Jesus. That's it. There's no other option. If you knew that Jesus was going to return, what would you do differently right now? Then go and live it out because he could. Listen, go, be prepared. Are you prepared for the return of Jesus? Are you prepared to answer that question for eternity when God looks at you and says, do you believe in my, that's the only way into heaven. It's not, well, I went to church, wrong answer. I, I can memorize the Bible, wrong answer. I'm a good religious person. I'm a good moral person. I gave money to the church. Wrong answer. Only one question with one right answer that matters. What did you do with Jesus? I believe I gave him my whole life, everything. Or I don't want none of that on earth. And God will say, then that's what you'll get for eternity. See, if I say all I, we sang that earlier, all I want, is to pour my love on you. You know what he said? All I want is you, Jesus. Then God's going to say, then that's what you get for eternity. If you thought what we just did was singing these songs of worship was amazing, oh, man, you, heaven is amazing. If that's what it's going to be all the time. Are you prepared? And if you say, yes, Brian, I am prepared for eternity. That's awesome. I'm prepared to, to I've given my life to Jesus. I'm prepared. Then the next question for you is, who are you actively preparing today, right now? You see, it's not just, well, I'm prepared and that's good and I'll just wait till Jesus comes. No, no, no. Oh, I'm prepared. Now, who can I prepare with me? Who can I take with me? As I said last week, I don't want to get to heaven and be like, well, I'm glad I made it. No, no, no. I want to get to heaven and, and other people come up to me like, I'm here, yeah, because of what Jesus did, but you introduced me to Jesus, and so thank you. And I'm here because you did And I just had people coming up left and right. I am here today because you introduced me to Jesus, Brian. Thank you. When I get to heaven, God's not going to be in prayer. Well, you had a church of 5,000. That's great. No, no, no. It's, man, how many people did you bring with you? Father, we love you so much. We thank you for who you are. We thank you for your truth and your joy. We thank you for helping us to clearly understand the realities of heaven and hell and your return and the end of the world and last day events. That God, this is really no mystery. It's really no secret. You, you've laid it all out there. We may not know all the final details, but we have the big idea of what's going to happen. And so now we are without excuse. Father, help us to never live as if the things of this world are it, because they're not. Help us to be prepared. And the only way we're prepared is by giving our life to you. And help us then to prepare other people. And Father, we cannot wait to be with you in our home in heaven forever and ever and ever. Thank you. We are so thankful that you joined us on the podcast today. Be sure to follow us on social at Your Pathway Church or find us online at yourpathway.church. Have a wonderful rest of your week and stay tuned for more episodes coming up.